0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us. We pray as we open it this morning that you might give us ears to hear, give us minds to understand, and give us hearts to accept your word to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week at Night Church we started a new sermon series. In the lead up to Christmas, we're doing a series through December. And one of the things about Christmas that you might notice is... Christmas is really only good for some people. Uh, For other people, Christmas is incredibly difficult uh, or lonely uh, or sad. Uh, Christmas, uh, we teach our kids, uh, well, I don't know how many of you teach your kids this, but the classic is, who gets presents on Christmas? Who does Santa bring presents for, right? It's the good kids. If you're a naughty kid, uh, then you get a lump of coal, don't you? Uh, For those who have family around, for those who have friends, Christmas is great because everybody spends time with their family, don't they? But for those who don't have family, for those who've lost someone, for those who are lonely, Christmas is actually an incredibly lonely and difficult time. For those who can afford to buy presents for their kids, Christmas is a great time. For those who can't afford to buy presents for their kids, but all their friends are getting presents, Christmas is a difficult time. Christmas is only good for some people. And sometimes that can carry across to when we do Christmas at church. One of the classic Christmas carols we sing is O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, I'm probably being a little unfair on the song because if you read the lyrics it becomes clear, but what message does that title send? When you say O Come All Ye Faithful, what message does that send? This says, Christmas, Jesus being born, is for the faithful. The faithful are invited to come. If you're a good person, if you're a righteous person, you're invited to come. But not if you're unrighteous, not if you've been unfaithful. Last year, uh, Sovereign Grace re- released a, uh, a Christmas album. One of the songs is called, O Come All You Unfaithful. Uh, it's a little bit of a play, obviously. On O come, all ye faithful. But the whole point of the song is actually Jesus invites the unfaithful. He invites the sinners, the sick, the outcast, the lost, the lonely to come to him. And so we've been going through, uh, well, we've just started last week, uh, but going through kind of looking at who Jesus invites to come to him. When we actually open the Gospels, who comes to Jesus? Who does Jesus welcome? Last week, uh, uh, the title was O Come All You Lost. Uh, We saw that Jesus invites those who are lost to come to him. Actually, he goes and searches for the lost like a shepherd goes and searches for his lost sheep. And this morning, O Come All You Sick." I want to start with a question. Uh, The question is, do you ever get the feeling that there is something deeply and profoundly wrong with the world. Do you ever get the feeling that there's something deeply and profoundly wrong with the world? Most of us probably have times in life when things are going well, right? Life is good. Nothing particularly bad is happening. We're healthy. We're not super stressed. People around us are doing well. But there are times when things happen in life. When someone gets sick, when someone dies, when someone does something awful. Sometimes natural disasters, but usually it's, it's people. People can be horrible to each other. And you just can't help but think, this is wrong. It shouldn't be like this. There is something deeply wrong with the world. There is something deeply wrong with people. Do you ever get the feeling that there's something deeply, profoundly wrong with you? Like there's something broken within you. Like you know what you could be, you know what you should be, but you can never quite manage to live up to it. Whether it's self-sabotage, or anxiety, depression, anger issues, addiction, or just plain selfishness. Something within you, something wrong with you. Do you ever get that feeling? We don't like that feeling, do we? Our world doesn't like that feeling. I did a quick Google search during the week. I searched for two terms. I searched there's something wrong with me, and there's nothing wrong with me, right? Now, when you search for there's something wrong with me, you get page after page of self-help articles, of websites and blogs designed to help you feel better about yourself. Do you feel like there's something wrong with you? Here's what you can do to stop feeling that way. When you search there's nothing wrong with me, you get page after page of articles saying, yes, you're right. There is nothing wrong with you. In fact, all those criticisms, those comments you've had over the years, those people who told you you needed to do better, that you weren't good enough, that you needed to try harder, that you keep doing the wrong thing. In fact, those people making those comments, they're the ones who are wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. It's pretty clear that we live in a world that believes humans are basically good. If you take away all the negative outside influence, it's always outside influence, isn't it? But if you take away all that negativity from outside, if you take away all the oppressive systems of the world which harm you and beat you down, if you take away religion which tells you you're a bad person and you live out your true self, then you will find joy and happiness in life. There's nothing wrong with you. And yet, and yet so many of us are anxious, depressed, busy, and stressed out of our minds. Trying to figure out who we are and live that out. It's exhausting. Because it's all on you, isn't it? If I'm a good person, if there's nothing wrong with me, then why do I keep failing? Why do I keep hurting those around me? Why do I keep falling into that addiction, that sin, that selfish and hurtful pattern of behavior? Our world says there's nothing wrong with you. You are a good person, and so you are worthy of love. The problem is it's a confusing message because, well, if, if there's nothing wrong with me, then the reason... The reason why I'm struggling, the reason why I'm failing, is because of other people. Problem is, those other people are hearing the same message, aren't they? There's nothing wrong with me, and so it must be those other people. So everyone's blaming everyone else for their problems, while insisting there's nothing wrong with me. But the Bible has a different message for us. Jesus has a different message for us. And it's one that actually offers us true freedom and peace and joy. It's a message that allows us to live together in harmony. And it starts with accepting that there is something wrong with me. That message, the story of the Bible, well, it starts at the beginning, as all good stories do, right? Right? Genesis chapter 1, God created the world, and it was good. When God created the world, it was good. There was nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with the world, no natural disasters, no pollution, no death or decay. There was nothing wrong with the world, and there was nothing wrong with people. No sickness, no disease or death. Our bodies worked the way they're supposed to. Nobody got COVID or cancer. There was no depression or anxiety. Nobody was born blind or deaf. There was nothing wrong with people or with the world. It was a world where you could say, genuinely, there is nothing wrong with me. But Adam and Eve, the first humans, made a choice to rebel against God. They wanted to choose their own path, to decide for themselves what was right and wrong, what was good and evil. And when they did that, When Adam and Eve ate that fruit that God told them not to, they broke the world and they broke humans. People began to do all sorts of wicked and evil things, acting out of selfishness, malice and anger. Humans started to get jealous and envious of one another. And they started to get sick. They got diseases They grew old and died. People were born blind and deaf. And these sicknesses, these diseases, aging and death, they were a sign. A sign that something was wrong with humans. Something was broken within us. When God chose Israel to be his people, he had them build a temple. A place where he would dwell among them, where he would meet with his people. But those who were sick, those who were disabled, those with diseases, they weren't allowed to come in. They couldn't enter the temple. Now, it's not that these were worse sinners than the rest, but because sickness and disease were a sign of God's judgment. This was the message, loud and clear. In God's presence, there would be no sin. There could be no sin, no sickness, no disease. And so the sick, they were cut off, unable to enter God's presence. But a time was coming. We read this in Isaiah 35. A day is coming when God will come in judgment. And Isaiah says this. He says, when he comes in vengeance... Those with feeble hands, knees that give way, with fearful hearts, he says, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. And when he does, when God comes in vengeance, bringing justice, his judgment on sin and evil, Isaiah says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the mute tongue will shout for joy. The redeemed will walk on a highway to Zion where they will enter with singing and everlasting joy and gladness will be theirs. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. A day is coming, Isaiah says, when God will arrive to rescue his people. What will be the sign of his coming? How will we know he's here? The blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute, they will be healed. What's wrong with humans, what's broken in humans, will be fixed and restored when God comes to save. And So Israel looked forward to this day when God would come and he would fix what was wrong with us. Isaiah wrote this probably around 700 BC. So for 700 years, the nation of Israel looked forward to this day. Until one day, during the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee. These are real historical figures, right? This is not just made up stories. These are real historical figures. During the time these people ruled... This happened. In real life, a man named Jesus began teaching in the synagogues in Galilee, proclaiming this message, the kingdom of God is here, repent and believe the good news. And as he preached this message, something else happened. The eyes of the blind were opened. The ears of the deaf were unstopped. The lame began to walk and the mute tongues shouted for joy. When Jesus came, God came. God was here to bring justice, to bring judgment, and to save his people. John the Baptist knew that he'd been sent to prepare the way for the Lord. He was the the messenger who would prepare the way. He knew that, but he obviously had some doubts about Jesus at one point. Was Jesus really the one that he was preparing the way for, or was there somebody else to come? And so he sent some disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one, or should we wait for someone else? You can read about this in Luke 7. Jesus replies to them, and he says, go and tell John what you've seen, the blind, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf and the dead are healed. Jesus says, I am the one. I am the one to come. Wherever Jesus went, people would bring their sick and he would heal them. Huge crowds would gather around. And We even read in, in Mark chapter 6, we read that everyone who touched the edge of his cloak was healed. When Jesus came, the effects of sin of Adam and Eve's rebellion, the effects of sin were being undone. What was wrong with humans was being fixed. Humans were being restored as they came to Jesus. Except that Jesus seemed almost hesitant to heal people at times, didn't he? If anyone asked, if anyone came to him, he would heal them. But he didn't go looking for people to heal. And it's because actually that wasn't his main mission. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus heals a whole bunch of people. And the next day they come looking for him again, obviously bringing their sick to have them healed. They try to keep him from leaving But Jesus says it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also because I was sent for this purpose. Healing the sick wasn't Jesus' main mission. There is something more important that he came to do. We read from Luke chapter 5, the story of Levi the tax collector, Jesus calls Levi, this tax collector, to follow him. Levi immediately gets up and follows Jesus and he hosts this grand banquet in his home. He invites a large crowd of tax collectors and sinners to come and and join in this banquet. And so Jesus is there eating and drinking with these people. Now the Pharisees and scribes, they have a problem with this. They complained to Jesus' disciples that he shouldn't be eating with tax collectors and sinners. Does Jesus not know? These people are sinners. They're under God's judgment. There's something wrong with them. They are unrighteous, unfaithful sinners. If Jesus really was from God, if he was teaching and preaching the truth, then he would condemn these tax collectors and sinners, he wouldn't be eating with them. Instead, he would be eating with the Pharisees and the scribes, with the righteous ones, with the good ones. But instead, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. So Jesus replies. And he says, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Do you see what he does there? He calls Levi sick. Because Levi is sick. All those other tax collectors and sinners that I'm eating with, they are sick. There is something wrong with them. And this is a sickness that goes deeper than colds and flus, deeper than COVID, deeper than cancer or any other kind of disease we might get. There is something deeply and profoundly wrong with Levi. A sickness that has infected him down to his heart. And that sickness is sin. We usually think of sin as disobedience, right? Sin is rebelling against God, choosing to go our own way, living life our way rather than God's way. We usually think of sin as a choice, a decision to rebel. And it is a decision. It is a choice. But there is another side to sin. Sin is also a disease, a sickness. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, humans have been infected. It's been passed down from parents to children with a 100% infection rate. Everyone is infected. Many of us have health issues, right? Various different kinds of sicknesses and diseases, whether it's high blood pressure, Crohn's disease, asthma, diabetes, arthritis, depression, cancer. There's lots of things wrong with us. We know that. Many of us have health issues. But no matter how bad your physical condition, your spiritual condition was worse. See, if you have cancer you may die. That's the worst that can happen, right? But if you're a sinner, if you have the spiritual sickness of sin, then you face something worse than death. You face God's judgment and eternal punishment. There is something deeply and profoundly wrong with us. That feeling you get, in your worst moments, that there is something wrong with you, you're right. There is something wrong with you. It's called sin. And many of us, I'm sure, in those moments, when we're painfully aware of that sickness, of that disease, when we experience the darkness of our own hearts, I'm sure many of us think in those moments, God must not want me right now. In this moment, when I have done this thing, God must not want me right now. But Jesus is a doctor. When you're sick, that's when your doctor wants to see you, right? When you get sick, you go and see your doctor. You don't... You don't get well and then go and see your doctor, do you? Your doctor most wants to see you when you are sick because your doctor's job is to fix you, to give you medicine or whatever you need to fix what's wrong with you. They don't want you to come in once you're better. They want to see you when you are sick. That's what doctors do. Jesus is a doctor. Those moments when you feel like God must not want me. God cannot possibly love me in this moment. Those are the moments when he most wants you to come to him. You are loved even in your darkest moments. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sins and you will find healing, forgiveness, Restoration. And there is such freedom in this, isn't there? There is such freedom in this. How comforting. What a joy. To know that I am loved at my worst. It's one thing to be loved at your best. But to know that I am loved at my worst. I no longer need to prove to the world that there's nothing wrong with me. I no longer need to prove, to show that I'm a good person, that I can achieve this or I can achieve that. No, I am loved at my worst. To be able to accept that I am not a good person and yet am welcomed and loved by Jesus, what a relief, what freedom there is. Not that Jesus leaves me in my sin. Not that Jesus simply accepts me at my worst and leaves me there. No, Jesus is a doctor. He wants to heal me of my sickness. He wants to fix what's wrong with my heart. But he welcomes me at my worst. So come to Jesus. Come, all you sick. Repent of your sins and be healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you that he came to live and die and rise again so that we might be healed. Father, please make us more and more aware of the sin in our hearts that we might come to Jesus, that we might cling to him and find forgiveness in him. We pray this in his name. Amen.